Father, we give you thanks and praise for this night. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for this teaching. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We empty ourselves as vessels for your use and your use only. Father, speak through us. Teach us tonight. Let us have ears to hear and hearts to receive. Lord, we give you thanks for this time that we can share together. With Satan, we put you on notice. You're not welcome in this place. We bind you. We cast you out. We command you to go from this place. All spirits, not of the Holy Spirit. We bind you, all principalities, all wicked spirits in high places. You're bound. We're loosed. You're cast out. In the name of Jesus, we deploy angels to stand around this place and just stand guard for us. In the name of Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for your power. And those who agree in Jesus' name say amen. amen. Good evening and welcome back. Unfortunately, last week we missed out on not the Bible study. We were all here through the rain and everything else, but it seems that the recording equipment uh, didn't want to agree. So the Lord wanted to keep our teaching last week private. So we did. And uh, But welcome back this week, and we have a great message, uh, I believe, for everyone tonight uh, or today, whenever you're listening to this. I want to remind you that if you, uh, if you don't get a chance to come here uh, to Hunter's Creek, you're welcome to visit our website and download the podcast, and of course, comment and uh, comment on the podcast, submit prayer requests. We've had some very interesting prayer requests in the past, and just uh, it's a it's a website that's there for uh, for uh, the benefit of those who listen to this podcast, and we certainly invite you to join us. Uh, I'd like you to open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter six. That's Matthew chapter six, and also to John chapter six. That's John chapter six. That's pretty much where we're going to be. For this evening, I've entitled the message for today, His Kingdom, His Righteousness. And we're not talking about any other His, but of course, the Lord Jesus. If you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. And Henry, why don't you get us going first and, uh, and read that for us. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Okay, and that's from the NAS, the New American Standard Version, of course. I like that scripture so much, I wanted to kind of touch down a little bit more from the Bible in basic English. Um, go ahead and read that, Henry. But let your first care be for his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you in addition. So many of us in life right now, at this time especially, where we're living in a very unstable time in, 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 uh, by most people's standards. Uh, unemployment is on the increase, and of course pricing is on the increase. We're, we're faced with the possibility of inflation, and at very minimum a recession. It's an election year. I mean, there's just so many different things going on. The last thing that people are really concerning themselves with right now is just seeking the kingdom. A lot of people are worried about seeking the light bill and seeking the credit card bills and just seeking the food on the table. I don't blame them if they're non-believers. If they are believers, though, folks, you need to get rid of the stinking thinking. You need to get back on track and understand that the scripture says clearly that if we seek the kingdom, that means what 
what is a kingdom? It's what God has for us. It's his inheritance that he left us. Okay? If we be seeking the kingdom of God, okay, and we and, and we first do this before anything, you know, then all this other stuff is going to be given unto us. And I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on a couple of scriptures in a minute that I'm gonna prove it to you that it really doesn't take your effort. How many people here have really come to the point in their life where they understand that it's not by my my ability? It's by my availability that God does stuff. You see, God, I mean, as a matter of fact, it's, it's interesting. If you, when, when I first got saved, I came out of the music industry and I was uh, a, a pretty darn good sound engineer. So, of course, I mean, I'm going to give the Lord my talents, right? You know, I mean, I, I, I did him the favor. I got saved. So, uh, uh, of course not. I, I went and I got saved. And, and now, of course, it's time to to try and put a Christian spin on what I was doing. And, and a lot of us do that when we first come to the Lord. It's, it's just, God wants a new creation. The Bible says that we are new creatures in Christ, or a new creation in Christ. But we bring back, we bring back some of our talents that we had in the world, and we say, well, Lord, bless these, and this is what I can contribute to your kingdom. And it's very interesting how many, uh, how many people that you look at in the body of Christ today that when you ask them what they used to do in the world, you get some of the freakiest answers. I mean, look at even Paul. Paul was a tent maker. And look at, look at what he wrote under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I mean, do you realize how many parts of the Bible Paul wrote and he was a tent maker? Paul was an educated man. Okay, this guy, this guy was like, you know, you know, Harvard Theological Seminary, you know, he was, this guy was the Jew of Jews, man. He knew the scripture and the Torah and the law backwards and forwards, inside out. And he was a tent maker, you know, and he, he spent most of his life um, as a Christian on the run, being beaten down in jail. I mean, and, and he counted it all joy. I was, I was contemplating the other day of how the letter to the Philippians, do you realize that, Christ, that he wrote, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I mean, all these wonderful quotes that we use so many, so many times a, a day to encourage ourselves were given to him while under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, while this guy was in chains, in prison. It wasn't just... He wasn't just sitting there in a in a federal penitentiary, you know, the modified federal pens that we have today that sometimes uh, are similar to golf clubs, you know, or, or tennis clubs where, you know, people get three squares a day, they work out, they got a swimming pool, you know, they got rights, man. No, this guy was chained, chained, he was in chains, and he was writing things like, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So this is where it's amazing to me how he got to the point where he understood that no matter what, that God was going to provide for him. Let me show you something. Let, 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 me, let me show you something. Turn to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. Look at this. D, when, when, you, when you got it, go ahead and read it for us. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Wow, isn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 to me, that's, that's so cool in the fact that even when people don't like you, this is when you know 
that you're going to work and you know you're doing the best job you can, but you're, you know, you're a Christian and you don't, you know, you don't take part in that water cooler talk and you don't go out to happy hour, you know, and you don't, you know, you don't brown nose the boss, you know, and you don't go up there and, and, uh, and do all the different things that some coworkers in the world feel that they got to do. You know, you just kind of hang out, you're quiet, you have your little Bible on your desk, you know, and you do your devotions during lunch or what have you, and you're one of those people. You know, and everybody hates that, you know, oh, you're shh, you know, so-and-so is coming, you know, you don't want to talk that way around them, they're a Christian. You know, yet when promotion time comes around, one of your worst critics, one of the people that most sits there and talks about, shh, 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 don't say anything about that. Here comes the Christian. Is the one who gives you a promotion, pulls you into the office, says, you know, Christian, <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm giving you this promotion. Of course, you were reading Proverbs, so you know exactly why. <laughs> you can sit there and say, well, you should read Proverbs 6, 17. No, you don't want to, you don't want to get kicked out of their office. Uh, you want to keep the promotion. You just sit there and say, well, thank you. You know, God has really given me favor with you. <laughs> you know, yeah, okay. No. <laughs> You know, but hallelujah. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's one of these things, but it, it's so true. I mean, where you, you've, got a, uh, you've got a situation where I, I have a friend who recently at work got into uh, a situation where some people didn't feel that he was doing the right things at work. Uh, they, they, and, and I know this guy. I know that he, he, he works, he deals with integrity. He's a Christian man. He's, a, he's a, 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 an instructor of sorts, and he... You know, just some people sat there and they, 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 they talked bad stuff about him. And I happen to know that he works in a building full of non-believers. And he, he came to me, he was telling me, Mikey, man, I can't believe it. They said this, they said that, they went through classes. They, they didn't say anything until the very end. And they didn't even say it to me. They, didn't even, they just told management. Management came back and said, hey, listen, we, we know. We know that some people raise trouble. And why? Because his faith walk, his reputation, his relationship with the Lord has found him favor. The reason they don't like what you stand for is because they can't do it. The scripture says that without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Didn't say you can do some things. It said you can do nothing. Anybody within the sound of my voice, if you don't belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing is going to work. Nothing. Not some things, not anything. I don't care if it's your marriage or your relationship or your business or what. It may work for a time. It may work for a time, but it will ultimately fail. It will ultimately be destroyed. It will ultimately not work. Because without Jesus, we can do nothing. Without God's favor in our lives, we can do nothing. Amen? So, and, and I, can, I, can, I can prove that even more. Why don't we turn Henry over to Psalms, Psalms 5, verse 12. Now, Henry, I already, you already read Leo. Why don't you turn to Psalms 5, ver, uh, Psalms 5, 12 for me. For it is thou who dost bless the righteous man, O Lord, thou dost surround him with favor as with a shield. So what is it saying here? Hold on a second. So not only do we find favor, right? But we're surrounded in it. We're, we're encased in it. 
Picture you're walking down the street. You're walking into your office. You're doing what you've got your relationship with Jesus. You're not worrying about, oh, you know, the boss invited out everybody after the sales meeting last week. Uh, we had a good sales month and the boss invited everybody out to the, you know, the booty shaking club over there where the girls uh, don't wear much clothes. And Mikey didn't go, you know, uh oh, uh oh. No, Mikey's not worried about that. Mikey's going having his relationship with the Lord and the Lord will establish Mikey's relationship with the boss and everybody else. You see, people mistaken the idea of authority. They think that they have authority and they don't understand that any authority that any man's got has been delegated to him by the Lord. That's it. God sees everything. He knows everything. And even if people don't believe it, it doesn't matter <laughs> whether you believe it or not. It's irrelevant. It's, it's like somebody walking up and saying, well, your name's not Mike Calvo. Really? Nope. Not your, your name's John Smith. Well, besides the fact that I don't look like a John Smith, uh, I don't sound like a John Smith. What may, well, I say your name's John Smith. Well, I know who I am. And I know that I'm no John Smith. So therefore, I know who I am. And you can't tell me any different. So if you want to believe I'm John Smith, well, you go ahead and you live in your deception. But that's not going to happen. You see, one of the things that, that we need to do is we need to seek, we need to seek what makes us Christ-like. To where people say, I want to do this for you, not because of who you are, but because of what I see in you. See, the same people that point their fingers and say, oh, so-and-so wasn't taking part in this behavior or that behavior, that worldly behavior. When they want you to do something, when they want somebody of integrity, guess who they're going to look at? Regardless of what they may have, if they agree with your religious beliefs, with your, with your relationship with Christ or not, they are always watching. That's why the Bible says to not even have the mere appearance of sin. And, and how can we do that? Well, we have to seek first his righteousness or seek first the kingdom and he gives us his righteousness. And what is righteousness? It's rightness. It's rightness with Christ. It's a good relationship. It's a right attitude towards life. It's a right attitude towards people. Amen. And the only way we can do that is we can deal with with Christ, you know, I, I, I laugh because I look at some of the things that we're, we're about to touch on, on, on Christ's relationship with his disciples and some of the things that, that happen when the disciples just didn't know where they were going and how when they started seeking him, how life just kind of turned around and you had some miraculous situations that were going on here. So let's turn to the book of Matthew chapter 14, and Dee, why don't you read to me Matthew 14, 15 through 21. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, the place is desolate and the time is already past. So send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. And ordering the multitudes to recline on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food. And breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. And they all ate 
and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. And there were about 5,000 men who ate aside from women and children. First, notice how they, they, told, they were telling Jesus what to do. Listen, man, tell these people to get out of here. You know, we don't have enough. They didn't ask. And here they're sitting in the presence of God. <laughs> and they're telling God, look, man, we don't have enough. And, and there were several accounts um, of this in the different Gospels, different versions of this same teaching. But notice that, I mean, it, G- Jesus, Jesus said, no, you feed them. But, of course, Jesus knew that they would have to come back to him, right? They would have to seek him, and then he would provide. See, when we seek God, just seek him. He didn't ask them to provide anything. He said, seek them. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, there was a little kid in the, uh, in the, the, the whole thing was the, the disciples didn't even have anything. The, there was a little kid who had his lunch in the group. Jesus went over there and got that, sent one of the disciples over to get that from him. Go get, get it from him. Now notice, nobody ever talks about that little kid. Was there any temper tantrums? Did you hear about how the person that had five loaves and two fishes, that they said, no, I'm not going to give this to God? There's a mess. There's a whole preaching right there just in that, in the fact that this, this person who is not even named in the scripture, when God called and said, I need the very last little thing you have, your last bit of sustenance, and tell you what, <laughs> I'm going to feed 5,000 people with it. What you talking about, Jesus? I'm, I'm hungry, man. I've got to eat. And you're talking nonsense about feeding 5,000 people with these here five little crackers or, and two fishes. No. I, you know these five crackers and the two fish? They'll fill me up just enough till I get to Wendy's down the street over there. And then I can eat some real food. You're going to be... But no, that didn't happen. This, this person, this individual, gave it up. And then the disciples, instead of seeing that person's example, they griped about it. Send them away! They were probably saying, well, we'll take these and we'll split these up between ourselves. Because <laughs> we don't got anything to eat. I don't know, but it, it was you can tell here that Jesus was getting exasperated with these guys. And he said, you feed them. Basically, what did Jesus do? Well, he modeled it for us. What did Jesus do? He blessed them. Okay? He took them in his hands. He looked up in the sky. He blessed them. Thank you, Father, for this food that you've given us. He breaks it, and he starts handing it out. And he's just breaking it and handing them out, handing them out. And notice how there was 12 baskets left over. There was enough to feed 5,000 people. And one of the accounts says 5,000 plus. It was 5,000 men and women, plus women and children. You see, so there's really more than that there. And Jesus fed all these people with these loaves and there was enough there to where he then you know he he gave he gave these guys 12 baskets <laughs> I was I always think that's great man Jesus took care of it and well <laughs> yeah. and they were filled 
I mean, everybody ate until they were filled. Okay, about 5,000 men. And then, <laughs> now this is what I think is funny. Um, Henry, go to, go, to, go to verse 22 here and, um, and read down to verse 23, 22 and 23. And immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And after he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. So let's look at this for a second. Let's break this down. Okay. So this is what happens. So these people, these people eat. Okay. They collect, they collect up the, the, the 12 baskets. Okay. So you could tell Jesus must be getting a little steamed at this point. See guys? So he immediately, <laughs> immediately, right away, okay, food's finished. Tell these people to go, and, and you guys, get in the boat. That's it. I, I've had enough of you people, and I can tell he had enough, because this is, and after he had sent them away, after he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray, which basically means to blow off some steam with the Lord. <laughs> How many of us, you know, that there, there's an example right there. Have you ever had an argument with somebody and you just know you should leave and walk away, but you don't? See, this is why Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus knew how to respond instead of react. There's a, there's a real important, because Jesus, everybody thinks, or, 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 or I don't want to say everybody, but people that, that, that don't really read the scripture too much, think that Jesus was this guy that was always telling everyone how much you love, I love you. I love you. Thank you. I'm Jesus. I love you. Hello. I love you. Yes. Oh, this generation. I love you all. I love you. I love you. No. Jesus wasn't here to win a popularity contest. He said, I came here to divide. Father against son, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. I came here to divide. Jesus called them uh, perverse groups of vipers. I mean, some of the things that this guy said were amazing. Okay, you hypocrites. He sat there and said, hypocrite. He didn't say it once. Go to the Sermon on the Mount one day in, in, in Matthew 24 and count how many times Jesus said hypocrite and how nobody said anything. Here's a guy who went into the synagogues by him, just walked in so there's a synagogue here? Yep, okay, I'm going to go in here and tell these people what the real deal is. How many times did the Pharisees that they say wanted to go up and stone him, wanted to, tell, to, you know, to go against him, wanted to do How many times did they do it? They never did. You know why? Because when faced with a truth, when faced with a truth, you really got three choices. You could do something about it, you can shut up and take it, or you can run away. That's those pretty much the choices you got. Okay, I mean, obviously you can kill the messenger, but that wasn't going to happen until Jesus said it was time. Notice how Eve, he even, I mean, that, that's amazing to me. Jesus said he even knew when it was time for him to go. It's, it's not like somebody, okay, that's enough. And Jesus said, man, I had so much more to do before they got me. No, Jesus picked the time. Jesus is the one who set the schedule. Jesus is the one who determined what was going to happen when. 
Okay, notice he was so frustrated with these people after they've served, after they finished, pick up your baskets, get in the boat. I'll get rid of the people. I'll tell the people to get away. Tell the people, I don't even want you guys here for crowd control. You guys just get out of here. You know, I, I don't think he said it quite like that because Jesus is, I, I really enjoy watching Jesus tell people how it is though. And, and, and you can see exactly why if you, as you continue going, uh, we're, we're going to go through here, Henry, read 14, 24 through 33. And wa watch this. But the boat was, al was already in stadia away from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were frightened, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. So basically now, now Jesus, and you're going to see really in a couple of minutes why Jesus really gets frustrated with these guys. So now you got to picture this, right? They've been, they've been out and about. They, they ticked the guy off. He had to go down to the mountain and pray and just, just release some steam, you know? Have you ever felt that God is kind of hiding from you a little bit? Kind of left you to stew in your own juices for a little while just to see where you're at? Right. And I know I have. And here's a, a typical case. So here they're, they're out. They're, they've already drifted a couple of miles out, you know, and here comes the wind. Ooh, you know, now people say, yeah, but it was windy. I mean, they got scared. Hello. These people were fishermen. Mm -hmm. That 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 what's that's like a butcher being afraid of dead meat. <laughs> what's wrong with these people? kind of ninnies are these people? Unfortunately, they're people just like us. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm being really hard on the disciples tonight, but I mean, and, 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 and quite honestly, I mean, I feel I've been this way so many times in my own faith walk and still am to a certain degree. So, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly, I'm certainly uh, having a, a, a fun teaching at their expense, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's just as uh, tongue-in-cheek about myself, of course, in my own faith walk, because I see a lot of this in myself. Amen? But now, of course, none of you guys are like that, because you guys are perfect. Um, but <laughs> So here, here comes Jesus, walking on the water. Uh, wait a minute. Now, see, that would have freaked me out. You know, the wind and all that stuff, but no, here comes Jesus walking on the water. But of course, Peter, Mr. You know, in the brain and out the mouth, you know, um, they, they, uh, I forget who said it, that uh, Jesus must have had peppermint flavored shoes because he was always putting his feet in his mouth. 
you know, it, it was, he, he, he looked out, he, he caught it right on stride, you know, after, after, of course, Jesus said, it's me, they thought it was a ghost. And, and Peter says, well, bid me to come. See, he was seeking the Lord. He was seeking the Lord. The Lord called him. See, Jesus said, no one comes to me unless my father call them first. Okay, so Christ did the work first. You think you decided to get saved? I got news for you. You had nothing to do with it. Nothing. Not a darn thing. People talk about free will. People to, Listen, you don't have free will. You've got a choice. <laughs> That's it. But God is the one who sets those choices up. Free will means no consequences. Absolutely none whatsoever. And there is a consequence for your disobedience to what God's will for every one of his children is. Amen? So there is no such thing. Anybody tells you, we have free will. Baloney, you don't have free will. God gave you choices. Which one do you want? Before you this day, I place blessings and curses. Which ones will you choose? Amen? But if you choose curses, that's what you're going to get. But guess who put those curses there to begin with? God said that he created evil. Okay, and why did he create evil? Well, he created evil for a contrast, man. If, if there would have never been evil, we would have never known what good was like. Think about it for a minute. I mean, he told Adam and Eve, uh, he told Adam, if you eat from the tree of good and, uh, of, uh, if you eat from the tree of good and evil, you'll surely die. What did Adam and Eve know about death? Absolutely nothing. So they had no contrast. This is why the devil is God's monkey. Okay, God uses the devil to teach us what his righteousness is. Without the devil's evil, without the worldly behavior, without we can never understand how good God is. He took what the devil thought was going to be a failure or a, a, just a massive mess up and if people think that, you know, that, that the devil convinced Eve to eat the apple and God's been kind of in a damage control, you know, position ever since. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. That's just not true. Okay, God knew exactly what was going to happen. He said the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. I do believe that the snake did his whole apple thing with Eve after the world was created. Just a little while. It may have been a couple weeks, but it was certainly done after the world was created. Okay, so there is no way that people can sit here and tell me that God, God was, you know, he blindsided him. God, oh man, I didn't catch that. Man, devil got me. Oops. No. He knew exactly what was going on and he wanted us to see that without a contrast, man would be, and, and without any kind of control, man will be as disobedient as the day is long. Okay, so here, here he's walking, and Peter says, call me. He already affirmed to Peter, it's me, man. It's me. You know me. And, and, what did, and, and, and now, remember, it was dark, right? Mm -hmm. It was dark, and it was windy, mm -hmm. right? But what did Jesus say? My sheep know my voice, right? And they hearken unto me. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. So, Je so Jesus spoke. And Peter said, call me and I'll go. Now, typology, typology, typology. 
Okay, the scripture is full of it, right? We don't we don't want to just talk about the uh, the the logos, but we want to talk about the rhema as well. And the logos, of course, is the literal word on the page, and we're doing a lot of that tonight. But the rhema is also the revealed word. What is God revealing to us in the scripture? What's the the message within the message, if you will, right? How does the Holy Spirit use what's written on the page to teach us and to show us in our current circumstances and how, that's why the Bible says it's alive and active. It's a living and active thing because of the rhema. Because, I mean, you can read the latest John Grisham novel and just say, wow, that's was a good book, man. And you read it a year from now and it'll still be a good book, but it's the same old book you read a year ago. Go do that in the Bible. Go ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation and go sit down and read that Bible and see if it looks the same as it did last week. How is that? I don't understand it. So, so but I digress. So here's Jesus and he calls Peter. And, 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 and he says, so come. So Jesus, so Peter gets out of the boat. Now, what's the typology of the boat? The boat is whatever circumstances you're in. A situation. Do you have a situation that is just too big for you? I mean, is your boat or your life, <clears throat> which signifies your, your comfort zone, uh, are you just floating through life and all of a sudden when you hit a storm, bam, you know, oh man, my boat is turning and it's moving and I don't know where it's going. And all of a sudden there's Jesus. Oh, Jesus, oh, help me, please. I'm scared. Is that you really? Yeah, it's you. It's okay. And Jesus says, now come out of your boat. No, I don't know, Jesus. I can't do that. I'm afraid. <laughs> Notice that the 11 other wimps didn't come out of the boat. They stayed in their comfort zone. Well, look at look at Big Mouth over there. Big Mouth Pete. He's gonna go over there and he's gonna he's gonna he, yeah right Pete. You're not gonna walk up, dude. You don't even you don't even have those big floppy clown shoes on to be able to float on top of the water. Now you're gonna walk, Peter. At least as many things as people may say about Peter or whatever, Peter believed in his Jesus. Peter loved his Jesus. He knew that Jesus was who he was. And, 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 G and Peter was anointed. Hey, listen, it was Peter, don't ever forget, that preached the sermon in the book of Acts and 3,000 people got saved. Eat your heart out, Billy Graham. <laughs> now, actually, Billy Graham's done that as well. God, God shows favor to those who, who just love him and want to see him just show out. And that's really what Peter lived for. I mean, Peter became a great man of God. And right here, just when we're seeing, I mean, as, as, I've, as I've learned the scripture and as I've learned, and I'm sure, unfortunately, in today's modern day world of multimedia, you could probably go back and listen to a couple of my messages and say, oops, oh, you don't say that anymore. Because you know, as we're learning, I mean, we're learning, man. I, I honestly think that, that, that teaching folks is, obviously, it's 100% um, submit, being submitted or being willing to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. Now, do we always achieve 100%? I, I, I hope so. I like to. But sometimes we get involved and that's when we screw it up. But there's a zeal that comes from teaching people and an infectious zeal. I think, I think Peter had that zeal. I think people liked listening to this guy talk. And sure, he may have been a little goofy and he may have said some silly stuff. And, 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 and they said that uh, forever after, uh, after he betrayed Jesus, people would sit back in the, uh, in the back when he would uh, do a teaching. Or, you know, but he still kept teaching and he still and he still kept and he still kept preaching the gospel. 
And when you start reading First and Second Peter and just some of the things that he wrote in there, the amazing revelations that the Holy Spirit gave this man of God. But, you know, see, seeing the wind, he, Peter, became afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, this is, again, typology. How many of us, how many of us have finally gotten to that point where we say, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to give it all up. God, I'm going to do it your way. We're, I'm going to take you at your word. And all of a sudden, we start walking on the water. Notice, he kept his eyes on Jesus. He was looking at Jesus, walking. He wasn't paying attention. The moment he looked down and realized what he was doing, he started sinking. Okay? And what did he do? He cried out, Lord, save me, help me. And Jesus sat there and laughed for a little while and giggled and cackled and said, I knew you couldn't do it, stupid. No. Immediately, immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, <laughs> Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? See, Jesus didn't say, I couldn't do it. But what God wants with us, folks, is a partnership. Understand that faith is like gasoline. It's spiritual gasoline in your tank. If you don't have faith, if you say, yeah, but I only have, I don't, I don't have that much faith. I don't have faith to walk on water. The scripture says that if you have the, the faith the size of a mustard seed, a mustard seed, folks, is, is small. It's about the size of a little sesame seed, you know, on the top of a McDonald's, one of those McDonald's buns that you, you know, I don't eat that stuff. But uh, those of you that do, or those sesame seeds, and that... That seed grows into the largest tree in existence. It's a huge tree. It's a big, big tree. Now, the interesting thing is that that little seed that eventually turns into that big tree, everything that makes that big tree what it is, is encased in that little seed. Let me say that again. Everything that makes that big tree what it is, is encased in that little seed. So what does that mean to us? It doesn't matter if you have big faith, man. Stand where you are. Understand that just your little seed of faith has enough in it to grow that big tree. Whatever that problem is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it looks so big today. Have faith that that little seed has got all it takes all that you need is in that seed. And all you got to do is water it. How do you water it? Well, the scripture, again, typology, is called the, the water. The, the Bible says that out of your bellies will flow forth rivers of living water, which is the word. Jesus said to the Samaritan at the well, if you knew the water I had to offer, you'd always drink it. You'd want it. It'll ne you'll never be thirsty again. Jesus' word was water. If you water that seed, what, what happens? You have faith, okay? You believe that, that saying. You believe that God can do it. How do you water it? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word. Amen? You need to hear the word. You need to immerse yourself in the word. Get baptized in the word. 
dunk yourself, fill yourself. Listen, who cares if you're listening to teaching 24-7? Who cares if you're listening to praise and worship people? Would you stop that Christian stuff already? What are you doing? You're always studying. You're always looking at that Bible. You're always, that's right, because God's got a promise for me and I want it. Whatever God's got for me, I want it and I'm not going to let any devil take it away. I'm not going to let any devil use your mouth to have me take it away. Now, notice, when they got when they got into the boat, right, the wind stopped, didn't it? It totally stopped. It didn't slow down. He didn't get in the boat and start yelling, you stupid idiots, how could you people? Didn't you see? And even you, Peter, you're an utter failure. No. When you fall short of what you know God called you to do, because, I mean, let's be for real. God, Jesus knew what he could do. He was God, man. He knew what he could do. Peter said, call me. God said, okay, I'm going to call you. I'm calling you. Now what? So who failed? Did Jesus fail? No. Peter did. Right? Who failed? Who was scared out in the storm? Was Jesus scared out in the storm? No. Who did he stop the wind for? He stopped it for the disciples. Okay? That's God's grace. You know, I, I, I was listening to a teaching the other day, and they talked about they talked about that we're in a dispensation of grace. You guys ever heard that? Do you know that's religious? That's not true. So God didn't have grace in the Old Testament? <laughs> I can sit here and point out all kinds of grace. I sit here and point out how the Israelites walked through the, walked through the desert for 40 years. They always had food. What do you think manna was? Isn't that God's grace? What do you think that, that the fact that they never had to change a shoe, that the fact that their clothes never wore out, the fact that, 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 that God was always with them, was that grace? So if grace was around then, <clears throat> and grace is around now, my scripture says that God changeth not. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the name of our ministry, right? Yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no such thing as a dispensation of grace. Okay, anybody have any doubts? There is no dispensation of grace. This is the time God, since Jesus hung on that cross. Okay, Jesus said, it is finished. That means, I did it. I called you. I came to you. I spilled my blood. I rose after three days. I'm finished. I'm done. Now it's up to you. If you don't come, it's not because, it, it, it's not because God gave up on you. It's because you didn't want to come. It's the same reason that the Israelites didn't take advantage of the grace. They didn't feel like it. They were too prideful. They were too arrogant. They were too pig-headed. And what did that end up happening? That ended up in them dying and not being able to go into the promised land. You see, so God didn't do that. Did God kill them all? No, he didn't. They just didn't. They weren't there. They didn't want to take God at his grace. How many times when God, when God declared to them that you're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness, okay, one year for every day that you were in this land, did you see at any point that these people were repentant? And that they asked God for his forgiveness, or they just took it. Okay. God put us in for 40 years, man. We knew he'd do that. Big old meanie God. God's a meanie. God's a meanie. 
I can't believe God did. You're a meanie God. God's not a meanie. God wants to bless you. But you need to take God at his word. You need to get out of your boat. You need to follow what God's going to do. Okay, you need to believe that God called you to do what you're doing. God called you to be right where you're at today. And you know what? Even if, even if you're in a situation in your life that may not be too pleasing to God, God is going to use that to enrich your life. The Bible says that all things work for the good of those who love the Lord. So if you're going through a bad situation right now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because God is going to turn it for your good. Obviously, I mean, sometimes, and people call it Monday morning quarterbacking. Sometimes we look back at our bad situations and we say, wow, I wasn't that bad. I really felt bad when I was there. But God really taught me something. And you know, as long as you've got that attitude, Christian, as long as you've got that attitude that God brought me through the wilderness, hallelujah, he brought me through, it was painful, but I'm a better person on the other side because of it. As long as you can walk that way, Christian, God is going to continue to show you and teach you and bless you. That, that's just the way that God is. Now look at 33 here. And those who are in the boat, wait a minute. Remember, we were laughing about the 11 that stayed in the boat a minute ago. <laughs> they worshipped him and said, certainly you are God's son. Well, duh! Wait a minute. So, so now, that, now that he stepped out in faith, now that he made a fool of himself for Jesus in front of you, now all of a sudden, oh, oh, Jesus, we knew you were the son of God all along, man. We knew you could do it, man. Yeah, welcome back, dude. Hey, we knew you could do it. We just sent Pete out to go get you. We were over here cooking a meal for you. Get, get out of here. It's so, Jesus said to Thomas, you know, blessed are those who see and believe. But more blessed, more blessed are those who don't see and still believe. And still believe in spite of what they see. Not, 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 not who don't see and when they finally do see, believe just like you guys know. They don't see and they still believe. I mean, the, the, it, 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 it's amazing to me how people just do this kind of behavior <laughs> over and over and over. And I can prove it. Let's go, to, let's go to John chapter 6. Right? John chapter 6. And I want you to read, um, D, read to us 17 through 21. And after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. And it had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. And the sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. When therefore they had rowed about three or four miles, they beheld Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. They were willing, therefore, to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now wait a second. This is an entire, this is a different incident, guys. Okay, some people try and cut the disciples some slack by saying, well, it's probably a description of, you know, the same thing, but they, no, no, we can look at the differences here. 
They didn't mention anything about anybody but Jesus walking on water here. Okay? And, 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 and as a matter of fact, Peter didn't say a word during this whole deal. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, but Peter didn't say a word through this whole deal. Jesus came walking on the water. Regardless of if this is the first time Jesus came walking on the water and the other time was the second time or the other time was the first time and this was the second time, you'd think that they'd get used to it. But no, no, they still keep getting afraid. And Jesus has to keep saying, hey guys, it's me. I'm just doing that walking on water thing again. They're like, yo, Gene, you got to stop that, man. Come on, dude, you got to stop that walking on water thing. But I like it, he says. I like freaking you guys out. Some people may take some offense to the fact that, that I talk about God that way. Too bad. You're religious, I'm not. I have a relationship with my, with my Heavenly Father. And you know what? My kids come and they play with me and they, 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 they pull on my hair and they jump on my back. And, 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 and even every once in a while, my daughters will come and go, Mikey! Mikey, who are you talking to? You, Mikey. I'm daddy. You're daddy, Mikey. And they're playing with me. And they're, you know, I mean, if my daughters disrespected me, then I'd be upset. But my daughters, my kids are playing with me, man. Okay, and we play with the Lord and the Lord plays with us. That's why the Lord plays hide and go seek with us sometimes. Come on, find me, find me. I'm going to hide from you for a little while. Find me. And the way that you find him, of course, is to get into prayer. How many, how many of you guys don't have little kids or, or had little kids at one point and you used to hide from them? You know, and then they'd get, you'd wait until they'd almost, and it, it's kind of cruel, but you'd wait until the kid would get almost really sad. Mommy, Daddy, where are you? And then you'd pop out, Mommy! And they'd be so happy to see you. And this, because, and why? Because you like the feeling of those chubby little arms around your neck and all those wet, mushy, nasty little kisses that they plant on you. You know, delicious kisses, you know? It's the way that God looks at us. If we're imperfect, okay, and our love is imperfect, how much, how much of, how much of, of, of this, how, how much more perfect don't you think God's love for us is? Amen. And here you've got a, a classic case of where if I were Jesus, I'd be like, listen, guys, I'm off to the mountain again. I'll see you guys later. I got to go back to remember where I went the other back there in Matthew. I'm going back to the mountain again. I'll see you guys later. But no, when 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 Jesus got into the boat, they invited him into the boat. Okay, let's let's take this typology and let's turn it around now. Okay, the first time we talked about you walking out on the water. Okay, God is waiting for you on the water. God has told you step out in faith. Step out on the word. On the word, take my hand, keep your eyes on me. Let's walk together through your storm, right? Here, you're in your boat. You're in your situation, okay? And Jesus comes walking on the water. That means he comes walking in the word, okay? You read the word. Some of those red letters jump out at you. You say, wow, man, that's for me. I can see Jesus is walking on that word. He's, the words are walking right off the page into my spirit. I, I feel it. I, I hear you, Jesus. I hear what you're saying. And I believe you. And I invite you into my circumstances. Now you've invited Jesus into your boat. You getting this? Is this, is this, is this a, a revelation for anybody here? Okay. So you're getting, now Jesus is in your boat with you. 
And now notice, and this is really important. Before Jesus got in the boat, okay, they were in the middle of a storm. A big storm. Okay? And then they received him, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. When they stood on the word, they read the word, they heard the word, they took Jesus at his word, they invited him into the circumstances. What they thought was going to be a failing situation, it's that last time, folks, it's the all we can do is pray time. How many people have always, you seen that? Well, all we can do is pray. And I'm not going to repeat myself too much, but we've talked about before, the first thing that we should do as believers is pray. Amen? But we're at the all we can do is pray now time. So we finally got that last little mustard seed of faith. That last little mustard seed of faith. And we say, okay, God, I'm going to invite you into my circumstances. And what happens? Immediately when they receive him, God takes them from the crazy storm they were in. Bam! Right to where they were going. Right to, right to victory. You see, so if you think about that for a minute, how many times in your life haven't you been in a situation that looks so bleak and all of a sudden you sit there and you say, man, the moment I brought it to the attention of the Lord, it just seemed to go away. And it's not because the, you know, the devil is going to come along and say, well, you know, that problem was about ready to be fixed anyway. No. I honestly believe, and I believe that, that Scripture right here and in other places reflects the fact that when you invite Jesus into your situation, it immediately can get fixed. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes we've got to walk on the water. But here we've learned two different ways of dealing with Jesus in faith, right? Again, typology, typology, right? So now... I say this all to come back and say, you know, remember, we talked earlier about seeking ye first the kingdom of God. Okay, and we read it from Proverbs. We read it from Psalms. Okay, people say, yeah, but that was, that was, Sol that was uh, Solomon and that was David. Okay, well, go down in the same chapter right here in John chapter 6. Go down and uh, Leo, read me, read me, read me verse 27. Here's the commander-in-chief himself speaking. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you. For on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. What does that mean? Doesn't that mean seek first the kingdom of God? Don't get me wrong, folks. We're supposed to be faithful stewards of what God gives us to be stewards over. God does not like slothfulness. This does not mean sit at home with a, you know, with a bowl of Cheerios and a remote control and say, well, God's going to pay my bills. And God, That's not the way it works. But it does mean to stop striving against your situations. It means stop kicking yourself when you're down. If you're down, look up. And ask the Lord, why am I here? What are you teaching me here? If God allows you to go through a valley, and there will be valleys, undoubtedly, you can never have a mountaintop experience without a valley. And that's not a spiritual thing. Anybody who's gone mountain climbing, 
there's a, a, a blind guy who actually climbed to the top of Mount Everest. And he said that it was the most amazing feeling. It's not only a visual thing. To go to a mountain top, to have conquered that mountain, to have come from the valley and climbed that mountain. We don't just fly up to the mountain top with the Lord. We come out of the valley, okay? And if you can, again, typology, and if you can think of a mountain, it's not easy climbing a mountain, y'all. Just because you're out of the valley doesn't mean it's going to get easier. It just means that it's going to be different. There's still going to be rocks. There's still going to be cliffs. There's still going to be shrubbery. There's still going to be poison ivy. And you could take those and add, and add spiritual uh, synonyms to those in any way you want. You see what I'm saying? But, but, but the fact is that climbing the mountain to get to that mountaintop experience that God has for you, for sure, okay, no doubt about it, okay, is going to take some time. It does not happen right away.